saw that message about the nursery workers needed. I don't know why I've had such an urge before to go on and help them to, that I have today. So, Dan, if you still need help, let me know. This is weird. I've seen that message before, and I didn't have the same urge. It's irresistible day. I hate to tell you, but here we go. You know, when Pastor said he's going to have us talk about the three topics uh, of our purpose statement, he was going to set up the purpose statement, which if you've been here for the last three weeks, you've known, or actually the last couple of years when we established the purpose statement of the church, that the purpose statement is to help people to make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others in order to help them to grow, to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. We're going to do that in three basic areas. The strategy is to create joyful, relevant, and irresistible environments led by skilled staff and dedicated volunteers. So I knew right when he said that, that there's going to be three topics, and there's three of us speaking. Okay, we've got Lance, we've got Dan, we've got Rick. We've got joyful, we've got relevant, we've got irresistible. Now, I'm not jumping to conclusions, I'm not trying to read anything into it, so please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I just know that pastor picked me for irresistible. So, after I thought about that for a while, though, I got to uh, make myself a note here, because what if he picked me by default? Maybe he doesn't see me as joyful or relevant. <laughs> and, and this was the only thing left. So, with that being said, I'm just going to move on and let you guys uh, hopefully thank the former than the latter. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I do thank you for this time to talk about your love, to talk about this place, and how we can look for you how we can look for guidance and wisdom through you. Pray that you work through the things that are said today to affect lives and to draw us together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's talk about irresistible. Where do you start? Well, you look it up in the dictionary. Dictionary says this. The word comes from the Latin language through the French from the word resisto. Or I guess since it's French, resisto. Got to have an attitude when you speak French. Re means back. Zisto means set, so to set back. Uh, but we put the prefix ear, and here the prefix ear means not. Put all those together, we've got not to set back. Irresistible then means, and there's different things here in the dictionary, it said not to oppose, not to strive against, not to obstruct, impossible to resist. My favorite of them was, can't live without it. That's kind of my own twist. Can't live without it. How can we make things so that you cannot live without it, so that you cannot go through your week without being here and being involved in God's ministry? That's what we want to talk about. I want to talk, get us to, to think about things, and of course we're into analogies and, and object type things, and, and I'm trying to think, okay, in my life, what was irresistible? What is irresistible? What can I say or show or do that would help you guys ex understand the concept and the topic of irresistibility? So, I went and got one of the most irresistible things in the world. Krispy Kreme donuts. These aren't just any donuts. These are Krispy Kreme donuts. These are the ones that have the hot sign. These are the ones that are made back east and they finally got to Wichita after much begging and pleading and crying. Here's a question for you. 
Do you remember the first time you had a Krispy Kreme or even heard about Krispy Kreme? Isn't it funny how that sticks in your mind? Let me tell you mine. I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga, Tennessee, back east. This is a long time ago when Krispy Kremes weren't here, weren't heard of here. And so we were hearing stories out there. We went out there to, the, to BIMI, it's a mission board, Baptist International Missions. They had this giant building they had just acquired, and it needed a new roof. Well, it was going to cost them thousands of dollars to do it, so a group of us from Messiah went out there to help them re-roof this building. It was 30,000 square feet. Biggest building you've ever seen in your life. It took over 950 sheets of plywood to redeck this thing. That's, you know those big bunks at Home Depot that you see? There's 70-some sheets in that. It took 14 of those big old piles of, she- of plywood plus styrofoam. We had to lift up on the third floor of this thing, get on the roof, carry them around, and nail them all on this roof. Needless to say, we were there for a long time. We got up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we would work till midnight. There was four, sometimes five of us on that roof. We would literally crawl out of our window onto the roof at 6 a.m., start working, come down only for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for six days straight. Never touched the ground. It was weird. It, was, it took us about three days before we figured out, do you know none of us have ever been on the ground for three days now? Out of our window, up on that roof. And it took forever to get it, but while we were there, we created a bond. It was a small group, a connection group of guys hanging out together. We created this bond, and we started telling stories. And inevitably, we would get around to Krispy Kreme stories. Because one of us had been, the rest of us hadn't. And we were getting very jealous of that person that had been. It was my brother. And then he started talking about, about the love of other people for Krispy Kreme. He started telling us stories about Pastor Hoover. One of his stories he told us, I'll share with you. Pastor Hoover would go off to, to preach mission conferences and things like that, like he still does. And a lot of the people in the church liked to go with him. Well, he liked to drive, so a whole bunch of people decided to go, so many that they had to take the bus. So they all hopped in the bus, went off to this mission conference, and they're all sitting there, and they're in this hotel, and they say, hey, how about Krispy Kremes, because we're out east. Well, the nearest one was about four, five, six blocks away, but to take the big bus, go down there, and have to drive into the parking lot and drive around, they couldn't do it, because that's all they had. So the, they devised a plan, let's just walk down and get them. They wanted them that bad that they walked five blocks, and then get their Krispy Kremes in boxes and bring them back. They did that every night after the service. So much so they were taking orders up and down the halls of the hotel, going down and walking down this busy highway, carrying Krispy Kreme boxes at midnight to, to serve all the people that had been at the conference. That's irresistible. That's wanting a donut really bad. So, I digress. Turn in your Bibles. Let's talk about something irresistible in God's Word. Once again, I deal a lot with kids. I get real basic. I'm a very simple guy. Maybe that's my problem. I'm too simple. This is too easy to me. You know, love God, serve God. What else do you need to know? Okay? Love God, serve God. There we are. Let's go to John 3.16. Simplest verse in the Bible. John 3.16 reads this way. For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now I asked you, do you remember when you had your Krispy Kreme experience? Do you remember when you understood that verse? We all had it at different times in our lives, right? And maybe it wasn't that specific verse, but that one's used a lot. You know, we learned that, that God actually loved me. 
I was irresistible to God. So irresistible that he said, you know what? You're worth my son to me. You're not just worth the world to me. You're worth my son to me. That's more than the world. I'd give you the world. I won't give you my son. Many people have said that, and you all know that. But God actually said to me, and as a little kid, I realized that he wanted me in his family. He wanted me to be a part of his family, and that he was going to let me go to heaven. And all I had to do was accept his grace. Now that's irresistible. That's what we're trying to show people. And maybe we're trying to make things too complicated and too, too tough and, and too involved to realize, what are we here for? What is our purpose? You know, Jesus was so irresistible to me at that time that when I was a, okay, I never was little, but when I was a small person, I followed Mrs. Forrester to that side of the baptistry. That's where the ladies go. And as a little kid, that traumatized me. I went into the ladies' locker room where they go to get baptized, you know, and had to do the prayer. Now, obviously, baptism wasn't going on, but we're back in there on the, on the steps, and obviously I remembered it because to this day I'm telling that story that there I was. I followed her into the ladies' room, but I was going to get saved. I was going to accept Christ, and she showed me what it meant to be saved. It was that irresistible to me. That's what we want to show people. It's irresistible to come to God. Now, you know what? I work with junior high here a lot and connection groups. I'm famous in my junior high class. If you're getting ready to come in there and if you know somebody, they'll start telling you, hey, be ready. He's going to, you know, he's going to get you right away. The very first thing when I see somebody new, I don't care if it's an adult, a child, whoever you are, I'm right in your face and I'm saying, who are you and why are you here? Now, as a new person, they love that, right? Wouldn't you like me to come for whoever's new today and say, who are you and why are you here? Well, Kids like shock value, and I'm sorry, the adults that walk and hear me do that are offended, but the kids love it, and they eat it. In fact, they're always, hey, he's going to ask you this, get ready, you know, and they're, they're, it's almost, it's become a, a thing now. But I want them to think. You know, I get scared looks, I get, I get the typical, oh, I want to learn about God, I want to hear a Bible story. I'm going, no, you don't, tell me the truth, why are you here? Uh, well, <laughs> mom made me come. Or, uh, well, we're visiting Grandma, and when you visit Grandma, you have to go to Grandma's church. So, <laughs> exactly. Way to go, Grandma. Where's Grandpa? I have not had a Grandpa yet story. I've had lots of Grandma stories, but not a Grandpa, so you Grandpas be warned. But I want those kids to think. See, I'm trying to engage them in what's going on. I want them to think, why am I here? Why should I be listening? Why should I be listening? What's going on here? I want it to be irresistible to them to, to know that God loves them. I want them to be awake and know what's going on. So what if I did ask you, why are you here? Why'd you come today? What actually made you get up, clean up, well, most of you anyway, and, and we're thankful for those of you that did, by the way. Thank you, sir. <laughs> And get in your car and come to church. I mean, we as a church have a purpose statement. Do you? Do you have a purpose for your life? Have you sought out what is the purpose of my life? And where are you getting your direction from? That's what we're talking about here. We want your purpose to sync up with the church's purpose so that we can be irresistible and work together. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. 
Paul was writing to the Philippians, and I found this to be what I need to hear. Chapter 2 reads this way. We're going to read verses 1 through 8 real quickly here. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection of compa- and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Bring your purpose in sync with our purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking, from, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now we understand that Jesus came down here to die. He came down here to be a servant. He came down here to to serve us. He came down here to be just like us. He came down here to set an example for us. To give himself for others. Go back to verse 4. That's the one I want to talk about real quick here. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Like I said, that's our purpose statement. We're here to help others connect. You know, pastor said it, said it and it's been, it's been you know, bannered around a little bit, but it's hard, you know, it, it sounds cruel, but think about it. It's not about you. It's about them. When you come in the doors, it's not about me. It's about what can I do for other people? If we had that attitude, it would be irresistible because you'd see all the joys and all the things going on and all the lives that you can touch. And it's not so inward, it's outward. That's what God came to do. I honestly think that's why I am what I am today. Because as a young kid, I started. I started in junior church. I was an usher. I was the back row thumper. I'd thump those little kids that weren't very good and weren't behaving, you know, because you had to have those in those old churches. That was my favorite job. We don't have those anymore. So I teach junior high. So, but I went from that. I went to a teenager and I helped out in boys' brigade. It was kind of an Awana thing back then that, that, that's died out since then. But, but it, was, it was our Awana. It was, but we did camping and things like that. But I, I helped and worked in that. I worked in the youth group. I helped lead singing in the, in the high school. I worked in the college group when I was in college. Every group I've been in, I've worked. I've just said, okay... I'm here for me, but I'm here to do what God wants me to do. I'm here for others. I worked as a young married couple, my wife and I, in Awana. Worked in Awana for a long time. Worked in the nursery. Like to be there right now, maybe. I don't know. Maybe some of you wish I was there. Uh, work in junior high now. Work with connection groups now. Work in Judgment House. Work in a worship leading choir that didn't lead worship this morning. But that's okay. I'll get over that too. Being involved, being a part of a ministry, syncing up your purpose with their purpose and working together. Still gleaning things for me, yes. But not merely looking out for my own personal interests. I'm looking out for the interests of others and seeing what I can help. 
You know, here's where our problem. There's no proverb that says this. I hear and I forget. I see and I remember. See? You'll remember next time you see that hot sign, you're going to go, that's what that sermon was about. And I'm going to go, oh, I wish they would have got the rest of the sermon instead of just the donut part. How about I do and I understand. Becoming engaged is the key. You want it to be irresistible? Get involved. Get engaged in what's going on. That's, I had one person say, well, well you know, you're, you're up there. You're, you're laughing and joking with your kids. You're talking to them. You're just entertaining them. I'm going, no, I'm not. I'm engaging them. They are talking with me, and I'm talking with them. And it's not the Mr. Hopper show, like they say. It's an engagement of us and, and them and ideas and getting to know each other, even on a small level. And in our connection group, it's engaging each other in discussion and in life, living life together. And knowing that they're out there for me and I'm out there for them. Knowing that it's, you know, it's, it's cool to, to, to trust, to be trusted enough to share problems that are going on in your life. You can't get that unless you're connected with someone. You can't get that irresistible feeling of knowing that there's a higher purpose in this life until you're involved in other people's life, helping them to know that there's a higher purpose in life and that there's a reason for things that go on and that there's joy in serving and there's joy in the Lord and there's comfort in the Lord and in each other. You don't know how comforting and irresistible it is to watch your wife go home and you come home, what are you doing? She's studying the Bible because and, and, something bugged her in, in our connection group. And she's going to find out for herself what's going on and, and why it says that. So that she can help that person that needs help next Monday night when we get together. So that she'll have some advice from God's Word and from other books. And we're, you know, we're digging in so deep. It's, it's just amazing how much as a couple we're really getting involved. Together, separately, but in God's Word. You know what else is irresistible? I've got kids. My kids come home. And they see a group of people not hanging out watching a ball game, reading their Bibles and praying. They have to tiptoe. Don't bother the people praying in our living room. I love that. I want my kids to know it's so important to me that they better not plan something on Monday night because I won't be there. I'm with my group. That's important. It's important to be in this church. You guys better be here too. Why? Not because of a behavioral thing, but because it's irresistible to work and to serve and to be with others. You want to solve problems? Get involved. Get so busy that you don't have time for problems. We want this church to be irresistible for you. That is our goal. So we're making opportunities for you to invest yourself into so that you can engage your life and your kid's life in a ministry together. Work alongside with your kids. Help them to grow. Help them to see how serving God is irresistible. Help them to think of the future. I've got a stat I've got to pull out real quick because one of my connection group guys gave me the stat and I bugged him forever. Here's the stat. Ready? This is how people spend their time. 85% of their time is spent thinking about their past. 85% of your past. It's over. It's done with. Nothing you can do about it. But 85% of your day is spent on your past. 10% is thinking about what's going on today. What do I have to do? Think about your daily problems, things going on right now this minute. That leaves 5%. 5% for the future. 
Now, see, this is an insurance guy talking, so he's talking 5% for, you know, to buy insurance and, 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 and so that your people have something when you die. But I'm saying 5% for your future, that includes your eternal future. You know, we're reading a book right now, and it has a real neat analogy. It has a spot and then a continuous line. The spot is your life on earth. The continuous line is eternity. We're spending 85% of our time thinking about what happened on our spot, 10 more percent of our spot, and a portion of 5% on our future line. What's going on? We're doing things today that's going to affect our future line. First of all, accepting Christ to get to that future line, the going to heaven instead of going to hell. After that, the rewards you get in heaven are based on what you do now. Your life in heaven is, is a correlation of what you're doing now, serving God. You know, Christ is walking around in Matthew, and he's saying, Matthew chapter 4 especially, he's going around to people and he's saying, hey, uh, stop everything you're doing and follow me. And they go, okay, that's irresistible. That's knowing what's important. That's simplifying things so the irresistible can be seen. If we would quit complicating things and letting so much stuff get involved in so many little different intricacies of our life, we would be able to settle down and realize we're here for that. We're here for God. Now turn your Bibles to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers. See, the problem is God has an irresistible plan for you. He has an irresistible life for you. And what's amazing and what we don't understand is he sees the future. See, that's what the problem is. When we have a Bible, we get to read all these stories, and we get to see the ending and say, well, you goofballs, dummies, whatever you want to say. You know, if you would have seen what was going on, if you'd have just known this, you wouldn't have done all those things. You know, look what God had for you. It would have been so much better. Just go do what he wants you to do. But yet in our lives, it's, well, you know, we're, it's complicated. We don't so much want to trust in him or trust in what's going on. Numbers, and I said chapter 13, I hope. This one drives me nuts. Okay, we're, we're with the children of Israel. You've all heard the story. Children of Israel have just been led out of Egypt. They've been led, all, spent all this time, all these miracles to get them out of slavery. All these miracles to get them across the country. All these miracles to get them to this land called their promised land. Now when they started, they were leaving Egypt to go to the promised land. The whole goal, get to the promised land. Had all these problems getting there, but hey, get to the promised land. That's why we left. That's what's going on. God has something in our future for us. He has something in your future for you. Look in verse 1. And the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Now, we could read their names, but it wouldn't sound good. So we'll skip to verse 17. And Moses sent them out to spy the land of Canaan and said to them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell there, whether they be strong or weak, few, many, and what the land is and, 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 and what they dwell in, whether it be good or bad and what cities they be in. 
that they, that they dwell in, whether in tents, whether they're in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Okay, now here's my mind working. Here's God up there, all excited. All excited because, okay, you've all gone through all this stuff, I know, but hey, hey, send some of your leaders out there and see what I got for you. Go check it out. Go look at it. You know, oh, by the way, I just happened to get you here when all the first ripe group fruits and everything, when everything's ready to, 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 to glean, to eat. You know, yeah, after you take over all this place, then you'll have all the food you want. I've had to give you all this manna and all this other stuff over here, all this stuff you've had to eat all these, all these days, all this time you've been traveling. But, but I've got you a banquet ready. You don't have to do anything, but just go in there and take it. It's yours. And I want you guys as leaders, because you've fought this fight for me, I want you to see what's going on. So they go in there, and they come back. You know, it's, I, I, just see, I just see God all excited about sending them in there, just like I see Pastor Hoover a lot, if you ever watch him. You know, when he's ready to go preach, man, his, his feet get to pumping, and, and, and he's waiting for Lance to finish that next song, and he's up there. You know, come on, let me go see what, show what God has, has shown me to tell on that day. I just, I'm, okay, my mind's weird. Verse 23. And they came to the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook of Eshcol because the cluster of grapes for the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And when they come to Moses and Aaron, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to, unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, Hey, we came into the land whither thou sentest, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Look what we got. Milk and honey, it's everything. By the way, just so you catch this, milk, honey, add a little flour, what do you get? Krispy Kreme donuts. You wondered how I was going to tie that in, didn't you? Okay, see, it's biblical. Krispy Kreme's right there in the promised land. So there will be something in heaven to rejoice about other than just being with God. No, that was all we need. Okay. Okay, time out. Another Krispy Kreme story real quick. So Pastor Hoover is teaching another conference up in Virginia, right? Men go with him this time, not, not near as many, because it's so far away. And the whole concept is, what about our Krispy Kreme? See, we're out east, we need Krispy Kremes. So they uh, ask the people, and they say, well, the closest Krispy Kremes is, is like a 45-minute drive away from here. And they go, oh, well, let's go. 45-minute <laughs> drive. And they went every night. Not only them, but a group of them. A group of men jumped into an unmarked church van, because most church vans are unmarked now for some reason. I don't know that. But they got this unmarked van. All these men, after the conference, jump in the van, drive 45 minutes with nothing but donuts on their mind. They jump out. It's probably midnight or after. Walk into the Krispy Kreme and start ordering donuts. Can you, could you imagine the poor little girl behind the counter? This van pulls up, all these men dressed in suits and ties from a conference, jump out and come running in there wanting their donuts. I'm sure it freaked her out the first time, but then after that. But 45 minutes, and they went every night. That's an hour and a half round trip, if you haven't added that up. It's like 
That's irresistible. That's wanting some donuts. Go back to 27. I'm sorry. Verse 27. And they told him and said, We come into the land whither thou sentest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey and Krispy Kremes. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. Verse 28 reads, And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell there. And, and so-and-so's there, and so-and-so's there. And oh, oh it's just everybody's so hard, everybody's so, so big. Verse 30 reads this way. Verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But then the men got involved. And they said, But wait. Verse 31. The men that went with him said, We are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Can you see God? And I know he's God. I know he knows everything. I know he knew this was going to happen. Okay, help me get past that one. But can, you know, in my finite mind, in my abilities, I'm looking at God going, oh, oh, come on. Oh, he, you know, he's so excited. You know, it's like that present you get for someone, and you, and you put a lot of thought into it, a lot of time into it, and you give it to them, and it's kind of like, oh, thanks. What? You want the jumping up and down, the excitement, the, the, the go crazy. Lance and Sean are always that way in, in our meetings because they come up with these bright, brilliant ideas. And it's almost fun now, although I wish I wouldn't say this in front of them. It's almost fun to just go, oh, that's nice. Because they get so frustrated. Nice, it's, this is cool, this is awesome, look what we did. So it's fun just to, next time you see them and they're showing you something exciting, just, exciting, just say, oh, that's nice. And that'll really make them happy. But can you imagine God? I brought you through all this stuff. I've done all this for you. Why did, you know, what are you thinking? I brought you... So there's fruit they didn't have to tend, crops they didn't have to plant, houses they didn't have to build, wells they didn't have to dig, and victory over people that they think they couldn't overcome. Because remember what God said in the very first verse? He says, hey, hey, you guys go out there and look at what I'm going to give you. He didn't say, go look at what you might be able to get if you guys are tough and strong enough and try hard enough and work hard enough. No, he said, hey, go see what I'm getting ready to give you guys. So you can come back and tell the people and get them all excited and, and go in there with, with, with all the vim and vigor and gusto and go take over this land and, and get all this stuff that I brought you all this way to do. It's all right there, right. I brought you at the right time. You're at the right place. It's time to do it. But they had a different story. It looked hard. It looked tough. It looked different. And so all of a sudden, Egypt looked better than that. They start saying, I wish we'd have stayed in Egypt. I wish we were still slaves rather than risk our lives for this, rather than go out on a limb and try this. You know, all of a sudden, Moses wasn't the great leader that they thought he was. All of a sudden, you know, Moses was a great leader to get us through the sea, to get us through the plagues, to get us when we need something to eat, to drink, to get us through all the problems we're having, to counsel us, to advise us. But now all of a sudden... Well, Moses, you're not that great of a leader when you want to do something that I don't want to do. I think God just, in fact, God got really angry. 
if we look out later, God got uh, pretty upset. You know, this is kind of like, and I know you're probably tired of my Krispy Kreme thing, but here we go. It's kind of like me and Krispy Kremes. You know, back then I loved them. Before they was in Wichita, before, now, now they're in Wichita. They're at every Quick Trip, Dillon's, every grocery store. You can get them wherever you want to go, and now I can't have them. You know why? I got all this other stuff in me. I've filled myself with so much other stuff that now I can't enjoy the Krispy Kreme. You know, have we gotten our lives so, so bogged down with, with different stuff that we forgot the simple irresistibility of God and serving Him? Are we so, so tied up with these kind of programs or these kind of events or doing this but don't do that with all these behaviors that we forget the irresistible simpleness of John 3.16? It's irresistible. And if it's not, it's because it's in here. We've got too much in the way that we've lost the joy. Lost the joy. How can you forget that God said, you are so irresistible that you are worth my son to me? You are worth my son. Now, we could read on. Like I said, God got really upset. In fact, he was going to kill them all and just let's start over. And isn't it funny that Moses had to go say, hey, you know, don't do that. You know, here's the one that Moses wasn't good enough to lead them anymore. But he's the one that went and saved their lives and, and kept God from bringing down his wrath on them. I thought that was a little ironic. You know, when I work with these 7th and 8th graders, I want them to, to see that it's not their behavior that matters. I was reading a book, and, and it, it hit home with me that we become better at monitoring our behavior and what we do than we have at changing our hearts. You think about that? Is, this, is, is Christianity a behavior, a model? And be good, sit still, don't do anything. Or is it, man, change my heart, Lord. And yeah, I may jump up, I may scream, I may be free to dance. Like that song Lance has us sing all the time. But you know what? It's not my behavior that tells you I'm a Christian. It's my heart. And my heart will direct my behavior. But let's change hearts. Let's get together and work with that. I've got my last Krispy Kreme story for you. As, you could, as I told you, we was in a small group, by the way. That's when things happen. You get in a connection group. We'll have a leaders meeting August the 20th. It's time for every one of you to come to that. We'll have connection groups starting up again in September. It's time for you to get involved in that. It's time for you to get involved in the new youth programs that are going on for the kids. But it was a small group, and that anticipation was driving us nuts. We wanted what he had, what we heard about every night while we was on that roof. He didn't stop talking about how awesome Krispy Kremes were. So much that, you know, we wanted it. We, we hurried up, got the job done so that we could go get them. We finally, the last day, got the job done. Last nail was in. We literally threw our tools down, jumped in vans, and took off for Krispy Kreme. Dirty, stinky, we didn't care. We were going for Krispy Kremes. We walked in there. My brother led us because he's the one that had been talking about it all the time, telling us all these stories about Pastor Hoover and how funny it was and how cool it was and how irresistible it was to him. We had to have it. We had to try it. My brother leads us in there, walks by that big conveyor where all those donuts are coming down. If you haven't been there, you need to just go sit there and just go, wow. 
It's just a moment. Just have a moment. Think of this. You see that hot sign? The hot sign was on when we got there, so wow, the Lord was looking out for us. You know, because we heard about that hot sign, how important it was. It was on. So we get there. My brother's in the front of the line. He goes up to there. We're all right. I'm right behind him, and the other guys are behind me because I wasn't missing out. He had told us how, about, how good these were. He orders him a milk, and to my astonishment, orders a dozen donuts. My brother's buying. Whoa. This is amazing to me. Okay? So he gets a dozen donuts, a dozen hot. In that box right there holds a dozen hot donuts. He gets his milk. Well, okay, he wasn't too nice because he didn't buy me a drink, but I'm not a milk guy. And have you ever noticed that there's nothing good to drink when you don't drink milk if you eat donuts? But I went ahead and got my juice. And I'm going down. I, I, I've ordered my juice. My brother got his dozen. He's, he looks back at me. Aren't you getting some? Oh, excuse me. I didn't know. Uh, see, uh, I didn't know that you, you, you buy them and eat them by the dozen yourself. And you can. Those things are hot and mushy, and you just, you can. And I have. Okay. Sorry. But here's what I want you to get from this. Ready? Moral of the story. He got his. He came there. He got his. But he made sure I got mine. You see that? I want you to come here ready to worship. I want you to worship. But I want you to make sure someone else gets to too. And it's not just you and your wife. As a couple, there should be another couple here that you're making sure gets to worship too. There should be some kids here that you're making sure that they get theirs too. Come get yours. But make sure they get theirs. We've got a philosophy. Worship one and serve one. We're going to have opportunities to come worship, enjoy, get what God has for you that day, and then regroup and go see who you can help get theirs too. That's our goal. That's how it'll become irresistible. That's how you'll see what God has for you to become irresistible in this place. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for, for the fun of bringing up Krispy Kremes, Lord, and the analogy there. But I just praise you for your word and how you give us stories to look at to set examples. I just pray in our lives we can see that the, the end result is serving you, worshiping you, and bringing others to you. Help us not to be so full of other things that we forget what we're even here for and what our purpose is. Thank you for this day. For everyone that's joined us, in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to stand for a minute. I know it's kind of different. Uh, we kind of have a little time when if you want to come forward, you can. So we'll have a quick song and, and have that, and then we'll do our offering.